evening and welcome to episode 6 of the Diz Dads podcast. This is Aaron Ripmaster, your host, and I'm here today with David Nicely, the Duck 619. How you doing, David? Good. And uh, Brian Newell, Middle Pat. Hey, what? everyone. How you doing today? Uh, Mark Harbison, also known as Captain Oblivious. The one and only. How you doing? Doing great. And Jason Gilbert, Jason4024. How you doing, Jason? Very good. Yourself? Doing all right. Doing all right. Glad to be uh, online with you all and recording. So tonight's topic is uh, Epcot, which should complete our Walt Disney World theme park series. Um, and so we'll start with our top five attractions in Epcot. Now, I, I have to say, this is a, a difficult one for me to do, I think, this list, because of all of the parks, the one thing about Epcot is that I was looking through the list and realized that it's the one park where the entire family could ride everything. Um, and it's, I think, unique among the parks, uh, at least for my family. So I'll, I'll get, I guess I'll go ahead and start. And my number five is uh, Mission Space. And it, it probably could go higher on the list at some point. But for now, really, my daughter's the only one who rides it. But she loves it so much that that by itself gets it on the list. Um, as a matter of fact, it, 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 you know, depending on the day, is what she refers to as her favorite ride in all of Walt Disney World. So, number five on my list, Mission Space. Uh, how about you, Jason? What's number five on your list? We started with Journey to Imagination with Figment. Um, there was much discussion about this tonight out over dinner uh, to try and find our, our family's top five attractions, and, and this is one that definitely made all four, all four of our lists. And, Mark, how about you? What's number five on your list? Well, I... Uh... I was thinking about this, and I also went with Mission Space. So uh, I don't know if that's a little anticlimactic since you named it already, but uh, the uh, like you said, almost everybody in my family can ride it. Uh, my youngest son hasn't ridden it yet, and uh, given his level of fear, he may not until he's about 26. But uh, the other two were very scared at first, and uh, we managed to get them on it. So I kind of have good memories of this one as like a a milestone as they grow up, you know, conquering the ride and conquering their fear a little bit. Now, uh, as it happens, you know, we only rode the green side. I haven't done the Vomit Comet yet, so uh, that could make the enjoyment go up or down. But uh, right now, I'd, I'd go with Mission Space number five. Well, now, see, that's exactly why my daughter is the only one in our family who rides it, because she insists on riding orange. Hmm. Um, all right, so, Brian, what's your number five? Well, I went to uh, a very very different direction with our number five uh, we picked uh, living with the land and uh for some reason this this attraction really kind of sums up epcot for me because it's the kind of futuristic view of how to uh you know grow produce and of course adding in the wonderful disney-esque uh of the pumpkin and tomato shaping uh <laughs> that I just loved uh, as part of that ride and it's just not to mention it's a great place to get out of the heat when you need to get out of the heat. That's true. So, uh, David, what's your number five? Um, my number five is actually kind of a combination, and it's uh, all the movies uh, within the World Showcase. So China, Canada, Norway, uh, and France. And what I like about them is it kind of goes in with the whole immersion 
that you get when you're within World Showcase. Um, so you get that chance to you know, see a little bit of the culture, um, kind of beefs up the atmosphere a little bit and uh, really sits you in and, uh, in the immersion um, you know, um, feeling. All right, and uh, why don't you go ahead and give us your number four as well? Uh, number four would be Living with the Land. Uh, I'm a city kid and have the black thumb of death when it comes to growing things. So anytime I get a chance to see really cool ways of doing things, uh, especially with the growing of the vegetables upside down, uh, it still uh, amazes my children that they can grow vegetables that way. Um, we really enjoy that one. Okay, and uh, Mark, how about you? What's your number four? Well, um, I went a little off the beaten path here and uh, decided to go with the different methods of cooling off that you have at Epcot. Um, so I have a little bit of a tie. One is the, uh, the jumping fountains outside of the Imagination Pavilion. And uh, I picked that because my kids will literally stand there for hours, if they could, just getting soaked. Uh, <laughs> just letting the water just run all over them and we get these fantastic pictures of them just jumping and getting water spraying all over them so they absolutely love that and um, then along those same lines I had to throw in a reference to Club Cool uh, if for no other reason then it gives us the Beverly face and uh, I think that alone deserves a mention in the top five just for the the sheer enjoyment of, of watching people try it okay well that that was an interesting perspective I, I <laughs> you know I'd planned on bringing up uh, club cool later in the episode but but it does fit here as well I, I can see that um, so Brian how about you what's your number four uh, my number four was turtle talk with crush and uh, part of the reason we uh, chose this one as a family is uh, I remember when Turtle Talk first opened up, we were there not long after they started uh, running that, that attraction, and our oldest daughter, who had had some uh, speech issues, was called upon to talk with Crush. And the greatest thing was, is throughout the rest of the day, everywhere she went, when and you have to realize she didn't speak a whole lot, she kept pointing at everything and saying, dude, dude. So for that alone, <laughs> we had to pick Turtle Talk with Crush. I think that's a darn good reason. Let's move on to Jason. Jason, you had number four. Our f number four was Test Track. Um, wrote it. My kids were both big enough to ride it this past year in December when we were there. And they immediately made sure it was on the list. Okay. And my number four, just like David, is uh, Living with the Land. The kids love it. They got a, uh, you know, it's a nice kind of laid back ride. The, um, it's, it's like, it, it seems to me that it's it's sort of like going to visit the farm version of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You know, it's just missing Oompa Loompas. We don't really garden much here. I, I totally identify with the Black Thumb of Death because I think I have two of them. But um, we really did enjoy it a lot. And, uh, you know, my son especially, he wanted to go back and do it again. Now that I'm going to have the Oompa Loompa song stuck in my head. Thanks. <laughs> Same here. Ha ha. Oh well. <laughs> Unless somebody wants to sing something else, you're stuck with it. I nominate Brian. As long as it's not Small World. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of that could free that ear worm. My number three is, uh, has already, also already been mentioned. Um, Test Track is my number three. We, uh, again, we, it's, it's the closest thing to a thrill ride that, that all of us can ride together. And that's been, that was really, uh, a lot of fun. Um, 
My son said he liked the whole thing except the bumpy part. And um, it's just a, a nice chance to get everybody on something that's thrilling, but doesn't exclude people because of their height for the most part. Uh, Jason, what was your number three? Our number three was Living with the Land. Uh, same reason as pretty much everybody else that mentioned it so far. Just It's a, a good relaxing little little trek you know take some time off your feet and could could always kill some time between grabbing that fast pass for soren and when you can actually use it okay and um mark you're number three um i went with the kim possible spy missions for this one uh we just discovered these on our trip uh, in september of last year and uh i think we basically spent an entire day doing impossible spy missions and I found myself wishing that they had introduced this when I was a kid and walking around the world showcase and complaining about how boring it was because all of a sudden it just made it completely transformed um, my kids loved it uh, truth be told I was as excited to see the secret doors as they were and uh, I think it's one of the best examples of Disney Imagineering uh, in all four parks it's uh, it's incredible how well they integrated all that stuff into the pavilions. I mean, you wouldn't even know it was there unless um, you were actually playing the game. We, In fact, we were playing in Mexico and we made this one little statue, like a skeleton dance. And as soon as we finished that, we moved on to the next task. And then we looked back and this lady and her kid are walking up to the box where the skeleton was, waving their hands in front of it and doing all this stuff, trying to make it dance. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. I just thought that was those those missions are just brilliant in the way they're they're executed. I have to agree. Um, let's see, uh, David, why don't you give us your number three? Uh, our number three would be Test Track. Um, like all the features of the ride, where you kind of get the the feeling of you know all the testing methods. Um, and one of the things we've always enjoyed the last time we were there, um, had my mother-in-law with me who rides no thrill rides whatsoever. Uh, and I managed to talk her into this and told her the screams that she was hearing were just special effects. <laughs> they weren't really coming from people. <laughs> but the minute we came, we shot out of there and hit that curve. But she enjoyed it. You know, she screamed, but she, she did truly enjoy it. And um, like you mentioned, it everyone can ride it. And it, it doesn't really, you know, affect anyone's size or, you know, uh, health conditions for the most part. How about you, Brian? What's number three on your list? Uh, my my third uh, was Spaceship Earth, and again, getting back to kind of the uh, heat of the day, you know, a good place to get out of the heat. Uh, but also, again, just thinking of the uh, the theming of Epcot, this was, you know, it's that combination of uh, you know a school field trip and you know a cool ride that uh, we always loved about Spaceship Earth. And uh, why don't you go ahead and give us your number two as well? Uh, my number two is actually Test Track. Uh, and again, I think you know a couple other guys have mentioned that this is a, uh, a ride that the whole family can ride together. Uh, and uh, our girls just love the, the speed uh, of whipping around the, the corners. Uh, and they don't even mind the bumpy parts. They, they think that's fun too. So uh, Test Track came in as number two for us. Okay. And uh, how about you, David? Number two for you? Number two for us would be Soren. Um, love the feel, uh, the way that they kind of just set everything with the scents 
as you're going over the uh, the orange grove, uh, when you're flying through the forest, you, you actually have the wind kind of blowing in your face. Um, of course, the golf ball one, you know, never gets old. Getting hit, yeah, somebody flinches. Um, it's just one of those, again, it, it's a good family ride. Uh, a little scarier for the younger ones at first with the moving of it, but I think once they kind of get lost into it, um, they really enjoy it. And number two for you, Mark. Uh, I'm voting for Test Track in this slot here. It's just a uh, family favorite. Um, it's another one that uh, the whole family rides. Uh, even my youngest was tall enough. And, uh, you know, it's another one that I have good memories of them conquering fears and, and getting on. And my, uh, my middle son uh, was very nervous the first time he rode it. Kept telling me how he was nervous, wanted to get off. And then he did it. And... Um, took a little while to warm up and all of a sudden it became his favorite ride so uh just we love the sheer speed at the end and feeling the the banked curves and the wind in the hair and uh it's just a great experience okay sounds good jason you're number two i'm glad i finally got one in here that nobody else mentioned our number two was illuminations basically just the whole overall aspect of the show was amazing uh, my daughter who is not a big fan of fireworks normally is tolerable to them because there's so much music and so many other things going on that she doesn't even you know doesn't even know they're there okay um my number two is also spaceship earth which has been mentioned a couple of times recently um i I was actually surprised i i didn't think that the kids were going to be into it and i think they rode three times the last time we were at epcot um, they just really enjoyed the, uh, you know, finding the details in the scenes, uh, playing with the, the computer at the end to get the, the pictures and, you know, making funny faces in them. And uh, I, they just, again, what I really enjoyed about Epcot overall came through uh, in, at space, with Spaceship Earth especially, that the whole family experienced it together and all everybody enjoyed it my number one here is is Soren and you know I had a hard time picking but I love the immersion of it and really feeling that hang gliding experience um, without having to worry about the whole you know splatting on the ground part agreed so um, anyway so Soren was my number one um, you know I think that if it was just the kids voting spaceship Earth would have won but with all four of us voting and the split vote um, I'm gonna gonna be the, the tiebreaker and, and call it Soren so Jason what was your number one mine was also Soren uh, pretty much the same reasons the kids all had their votes in tonight well the, the both of them had their votes in and looked at my wife and I just said to her I said I don't think there's anything better than Soren at, at Epcot Right, and uh, Mark, you're number one. Well, at the risk of boring everybody to tears, I also picked Soren, so it seems to be a common theme for number one. Um, I think probably the best way to sum it up is when people ask me what I like about Disney World as an adult, usually I tell them that I love the all the different themes and atmosphere and attention to detail. You know when. When Disney wants to make you feel like you're in a certain locale, they really make you feel like you're there. And I think that Soren kind of sums that up. Like you said um, previously, Aaron, the the immersion into feeling like you're actually flying and in California and in these different locales, it just, it 
covers all the senses and, and uh, just kind of sums up what I love about Disney. Okay, and uh, Brian, you're number one. Uh, you know, sounding like a broken record here, but I'm picking Soren. Uh, again, you know, for all the same comments that everyone else mentioned, the immersion of the ride, the uh, you know, the, the interaction, the, the, the senses, uh, it's such a great ride. But I also had a bit of a soft spot this for, for another reason, and that was uh, uh, our last trip down to the world. Uh, we were actually down celebrating our youngest daughter's kidneys. And uh, for those of you who know me from the board for the last while, you know, a couple years ago, she she went in and for to the hospital with kidney failure, and has since kind of turned around and have done has done really well. Well, uh, our when we went down a year, a little over a year ago, to to celebrate her kidney recovery, uh, you know, our first night at at the world, we went over to Epcot just, you know, to to walk around, and we got there late and. Uh, as we walked in, one of the cast members looked at us and saw we had a little shirt made up that said celebrating Megan's kidneys. And uh, she saw the shirt and she said, oh, well, you know, tell me about this. So we, she told her about the story and she said, oh, well, here, here's some some magical fast passes. You can use them for any ride in the park, you know, and, you know, for whatever ride you want. So, of course, what we did is we made the mad dash to Soren because we figured, you know, this, you know, we had, we had never ridden the ride before and this was our first opportunity to do so. And. We go there, and Megan at the time was too small to ride the ride, and so we, you know, did the old uh, parent pass. My wife took the our other two girls on the ride, and I was playing around with Megan outside, waiting. And who comes up but the nurse from Chicago's Children Memorial Hospital, who sat with us for three weeks on night shift with my wife, taking care of Megan, and she was there with her boyfriend at the time, and. She was at the parks for one day and one day only, and so just the, the magic of that moment uh, happening at Soren really kind of uh, uh, pulls at our heartstrings a bit. So, as I said, uh, you know, Soren is definitely our, our number one pick overall. Well, see, you get a terrific ride and a little Disney magic on top of it. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Um, so, uh, Mark, I understand you're going to, Mark Pratt, uh, I understand you're going to sit in here for uh, Jason, who was called off on a, on a fire call. Uh, for our listeners out there, uh, Jason's a, a member of a volunteer fire company, and uh, he had a call come in that he had to respond to. So we're wishing Jason Godspeed and uh, good luck to take care of, of the folks that uh, made that call. And Mark, what uh, what do you have for us for a number one ride at uh, Epcot? I, I would say it's got to be Soren. It's it's obviously the most popular, um, and our family likes it. It's a fun ride. You get you know all the senses. You get the the smells and the thrill and the, the wind blowing in your hair. So I would definitely have to say, definitely have to go with Soren. Well, I think this is a first uh, of all of our theme park episodes. This is the first time I think we got a clean sweep for a ride as the number one choice. As you heard, all of us had uh, different choices uh, below that. And I, I got to be honest, you know, in some ways I got to wonder about my own list because when uh, when people really you know, thought of, of things that, that I just didn't even cross my mind to consider and probably belonged on my list, especially the Kim Possible missions. Um, how could I forget those? 
I'll, I'll live with my list, but uh, guess I just have to go back and you know run them run them all through and test them again. Yeah, it, Aaron, it's funny you mentioned that because I know when we were pulling together our top five list for Epcot attractions, I think we came up with twelve. Well, we're going to change gears here for just a minute, and we're going to take an opportunity again to get to know a Diz Dad. Uh, we're going to do ten questions with Brian Newell. So, Brian, you ready to take the hot seat? I'm ready, I guess. Uh, should I be worried? <laughs> I think these questions are pretty painless. All right, let's go. Okay, uh, so the first question is, where do you live and what do you do for a living? Uh, we live uh, just outside of Chicago in a uh, suburb of Arlington Heights, and I work for a uh, large international custodian bank in the personal trust uh, division. Okay, and describe your family for us. Uh, there's myself and my, my, my dear wife, Erica, uh, and we have three girls, uh, Mary, who's eight, Shannon, who is soon to be seven, and Megan, who is three and a half. And now we get to the good, good stuff. What is your favorite off-the-beaten-path location in Walt Disney World? Well, I, I don't know if this is considered truly off-the-beaten-path, but this is a location that uh, our family has found some luck in finding a little quiet space in the Magic Kingdom, and that's at the Columbia Harbor House. And I'm not sure if, I'm sure a lot of people know the restaurant, uh, but we found that there's, uh, if you go to the seating area in the upstairs, there's a couple of little side areas where you can kind of, you know, find your own private little room. And it's a little quieter and you can sit out and overlook the uh, Haunted Mansion and uh, get away from the crowds for just uh, a few minutes while you actually enjoy a meal. You know, as soon as you mentioned Columbia Harbor House, I immediately thought about that table over off to the side on the second floor where you can look out the window and see Haunted Mansion right out the window. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a trick, actually, we must, I must admit, we picked up off the Diz boards, uh, so I'm sure that most of the board, you know, board members out there are like, yeah, that's not off the beaten path, but yeah, it works for us. Uh, you know, somehow, it's always available. So, all right, so the next one is, what is your least favorite place at Walt Disney World? Uh, this one was a resounding uh, country bear jamboree. <laughs> uh, again, just for whatever reason, an attraction that just has never resonated with my myself nor my wife and you know we always felt that they could do much better with that space by turning it into a uh, uh, souvenir shop or something <laughs> <laughs> okay so who is your favorite animated Disney character well this this one I had I had to think about and I want to had to ask for some clarification here do we are we including Pixar or is it only non Pixar characters I you can include Pixar they're Disney they're owned by All Disney. Right. I was going to say, because if, if, if we include the Pixar, I have to go with Mike Wazowski. Uh, just the way that uh, Billy Crystal represented him in the movie Monsters to this day still just has me going. And, you know, the fact that we've got the monster laugh floor now uh, is even better. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, it's got to be the Main Street soundtrack. You know, walking into Disney World, walking the Magic Kingdom, that first sounds that you hear, whether it's the the, the barbershop quartet or just some of the, the the background music there on Main Street, that just you know really reminds me of where I am, and you know it really helps me uh, escape uh, when I plug that into my car and the CD player. What sound or noise do you hate? 
this is one where I, I would say it's the people who complain at Disney World by and, and it's the specific phrase of this is the happiest place on earth you're gonna be ha- you're gonna have fun <laughs> and I, for whatever reason it's like whenever you hear a parent say that to a child they just don't get it you know sometimes you know, you gotta let the parents lead or let the children kind of lead the lead the group and when they need a nap the group needs a nap <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, what career other than your own would you like to attempt uh, this one, I, I would love to attempt what I'll call a cross-country truck driver, uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I'd have to be away from my family and, you know, all the physical labor involved. <laughs> but uh, I, the reason I say that is, I, you know, as some of, some, some of the guys know, I, I love driving trips. And I'm the kind of guy who, you know, I could drive 18 hours a day, seven days a week, and be completely at home behind the wheel the whole time. So, uh, you know, to that point, we're planning a driving trip this summer. Where it's going to be a 5,000-mile round trip, uh, you know, two-week extravaganza. And, you know, wow. totally looking forward to that. So, you know, going to check out uh, Rushmore and uh, Yellowstone and, you know, a few other places as well as go see some of my family. So, What job would you not like to do? Uh, I would not want to work in a complaint department anywhere. <laughs> Just, you know, having to deal with people's complaints would just drive me insane. If you could be a Disney cast member for one year, what job would you want to do? Uh, The one I came up with, and admittedly, I'd probably, you know, creating my own job in this regard, but I'd like to be the ambassador of magical moments. And what I mean by that is I'd like to have that job that where you walk through the parks walk through the resorts, walk through downtown Disney, and your your sole job is to find and give people something that they would just never expect and make their day a magical day. <laughs> now that would be a great job. Well, thank you very much, Brian. You can step off the hot seat. Continuing with our Epcot theme for the evening, we're going to talk a little bit now about our touring strategies for Epcot. And, you know, I'll, I'll start the discussion. Epcot, to me, is really two parks it's simply not possible to tour all of epcot in a single day um no matter how much of a a commando you are no matter how long the hours are i I just don't think it can be done um so i would say that the first thing when you're talking about touring epcot is that you really need to devote two days to it i would definitely with you on that yeah you got to have at least two days there so what's, what are some people's favorite approaches to dividing Epcot for, for uh, two days of touring? One of the things that uh, we've always done is divide it left and right. And so if we go to the left side of the park that day, do the first half of Future World, and then once the World Showcase opens up, we take the boat to the back and walk our way back forward over to the left side. Um, that way we can kind of absorb everything in and... Um, you know, we're strolling back anyway, um, and that really sets kind of our, our, our plan for those two days, so that we get to see everything we want. And like you said, Aaron, it's just it's too big. And we've talked to people before who like, yeah, they did Epcot and they were only down there for a day, and they, they didn't even walk in past the front facade of any country. So you just miss a lot if you try to rush it. I agree. 
Um, and and I have to say that I really like the idea of splitting the park left and right. Um, because the last time we went out, for a lot of reasons, um, we ended up splitting it Future World and World Show- Showcase. Um, had to do with the way the rest of our touring was going, and basically we needed to take advantage of the fact that World Showcase opens a little bit later and uh, sleep in a little bit that morning. But um, if I had to do it all over again, I would have said, you know, forget it, we'll make it up in the nap time and, and you know, attack it side to side. I, I just, I think that the problem with for me, one of the big problems with uh, trying to divide it by Future World and, and World Showcase is that World Showcase is at the far end of the park. And if you just head straight out to World Showcase, you know, you kind of wear yourself out almost just getting there. Yeah, I mean, you know, there have been times where we've went in the past and decided that we were going to do walk around the entire lake. You know, we had one of our, you know, brain farts and decide to do that and you know you're you're exhausted before you even get you know three quarters of the way around and then you just you're not in the it's tough to make it through the rest of the way through because all you're feeling about is how tired you are we're we're similar to to you aaron we last time we we did it we split future world and and world showcase uh but admittedly when you know we were there our, our youngest was only a year and a half, uh, or, you know, two years old uh, almost. Uh, and, you know, we, we just found that uh, keeping her attention in World Showcase was difficult. Uh, f- so, you know, unfortunately that, that got shortchanged a bit. So, I was surprised while we toured World Showcase how much uh, my, my son was able to find things that were interesting to him. He At the time, he was three years old. Um, he also had undiagnosed ADHD at the time. And um, I, I was really, I was worried about him just kind of losing it within the first 10 minutes of World Showcase. Um, but one of the beautiful things about World Showcase is that there's so much terrific detail in each of those pavilions that he was always able to find something to grab his attention. And uh, we did do the Kim Possible missions. I think that helped too, because that kind of directs you a little bit. Um, the only mistake we made there is that we went ahead and had the two kids share one communicator. And I, I don't think we're going to be, you know, we, we felt like we didn't want to be selfish and, and take two. Um, I think next time we'll go ahead and be selfish, because sharing one communicator between the two kids didn't work so well funny you say that Aaron we did the exact same thing and we actually ended up giving up after the first mission because the two girls just couldn't get along (laughs) (laughs) that's uh that's interesting because we had the opposite um experience we had three kids sharing one communicator and it would give you a little tone every time you completed a task and uh, I remember the guy who signed us up called that the sharing tone and our kids were like okay it's next kid's turn and really had no problem I think we did all seven missions uh, with one phone, except we had kind of burned the battery out and I had to race back at the end of Mexico to get another phone. (laughs) um, One thing I thought of while you guys were talking about um, touring Epcot is that I, first of all, I definitely agree. It's a a two day park. Um, There's just so much ground to cover. And, um, the one thing I thought of was, you know, the, the two most popular rides, I guess, Usually, you know, there's a stampede to Soren in the morning for fast passes. 
and then uh, test track usually piles up pretty quick. And um, if you're going to split it up, we did the World Showcase and Future World on separate days, but the World Showcase doesn't open till 11 or something like that. Um, and so there's a couple hours you have in the morning where you could, you know, aim for Soren and do the stampede for that one day, and then maybe aim for test track on the World Showcase day, and still have the have all of the available time you have to, to uh, tour the World Showcase. Yeah, and that's almost a little bit of what we did. Um, you know, we we wanted to get an extra ride in on Soren, basically. Um, so we went ahead and hit Soren sort of on the way to World Showcase. But, um, you know, I think that it did wear us out. I mean, even going through the fast pass line, it, it surprised me that just sitting and in, in standing in line like that can, can wear you out. Why don't we talk just a little bit about just that issue? Um, you know, what's what's the strategy? Let's let's say we're going to attack that that left side of the park. What's the what's the strategy for attacking the left side of World Showcase? Um, I, I think that if your if your plan includes uh, includes Soren, you've got to be there at rope drop because those fast passes just go too quickly. No, I'm I agree with you completely, Aaron. You got to get there to get that fast pass, or else. Your uh, SOL. So, Brian, you're gonna get there at rope drop. What's the what's the first thing you do? Uh, like I said, I think it's go straight to the land, get the fast pass for for Soren. Uh, typically, what we'd do from there is uh, we'd go actually up to you know Imagination and go see Figment. Uh, you know, got to beat the line so that you know there's that mad rush in the middle of the day for 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 drink to imagination that you got to avoid um but then you know, you know typically from there we would then run across to test track and depending on the lines either do a standby um or you know go back later on for a uh, fast pass for that one so those are that's kind of our primary uh mode of attack how about how about you david would you do anything differently there no, if we're going to be on that side of the, the park, if we're going to do Soren, we'd hit Soren first. Um, and then obviously, you know, we would try to get the, you know, the land in. Uh, but I agree with Brian. Um, the only the only thing that we try to usually do is instead of journeying to imagination, is we try to spend a little time in interventions. Okay. Um, what about you, Mark? Just going from experience in our last trip, we went straight for Soren and uh, got the fast pass first thing. And then... Um, probably made it we made a judgment call that we could do the standby line so we could get a couple rides in so i think that's usually our, our first decision and then um from there waiting to use the the fast pass uh i'd probably head for a turtle talk with crush um in the living seas next just because that's that can be a time killer if if it gets crowded if people are waiting in line you get a crowd into the auditorium and they're set times with shows and uh it's definitely a must do so I'd probably try and knock that one out. Uh, and Mark Pratt, how about you? Do you have a, a different approach? Well, we don't really go and get our fast passes for Soren, um, the same way everybody else does. But then cut back across to you know test track or um, mission space and do those as well. Uh, you know, there's a few things that I, I have yet to. I haven't done Ellen. Um, I really. Honestly, I've had no interest in doing it, but I, I mean, there's, that's one of those things that I haven't done that that's on the list that, you know, things that must be done just so I can 
have that experience. Um, but we like to get, you know, those, those bigger ones knocked out too. And then by then, um, you know, if, if the world, if the showcase is open, then we head on into that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that occurred to me as we were having this conversation is that thinking back now, one of the things about Epcot is that of all the parks, Epcot is by far the hardest on the fast pass runner because it's just everything is so far apart and you know i i just remember you know being exhausted by lunch just because what the way we handled that that soren rush and and the way that that we found most of those kind of big rush things worked best was that uh, my wife and kids actually went and did Spaceship Earth right away, right up front. While they did that, I was making the run to Soren. I picked up fast passes there, you know, came back and actually rode Spaceship Earth with them while we, you know, uh, already had those fast passes. By the time we'd got done with that ride, the uh, second one for them, first one for me, we were ready to, to head over to Soren. And I, I forget, I think we, we even had time to do. Uh, we may have had time to do living with the land before we rode Soren as well, but you know the point was that that I was making laps. Um, it's fine for them, but as the fast pass runner, it, it was uh, it was wearing. On the other hand, it can justify getting the cheddar cheese soup uh, later at Le Cellier. So there you go. I have to remember <laughs> these things. I just never understood why my family always sent the the fat old guy with the heart condition after the fast passes instead of the young whippersnappers. <laughs> well, I don't think my eight year old was quite ready to do uh, to do fast pass runner yet, but she'll get there. No, I was gonna say, Aaron. I think you know, you and I have got to get our eight year olds trained up uh, so that way we you know for the next time we go, you know, they'll be ready to, to run. <laughs> um. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting to me about Epcot is that I also think with with the exception of Soren, um, one of the things that sets Epcot apart is that most of the attractions load quickly and load large numbers of people at a time. So they tend to be people eaters and the lines tend not to be too bad, even without fast pass at most of the attractions in Epcot. Um, now, my experience is colored a bit by the fact that when we were there, it was a, a fairly low crowd uh, time. But uh, I don't know, some of you travel um, during busier times of year. Have you found the same thing? I would say that that's the case. I mean, we've been there when it's been very, very busy. Um, and with the exception of something new, like the last time that we were there, Soren was fairly new. So the lines are pretty long. But um, even when it looks like you're going to have to wait quite some time, I think the we were beating the average of what was showing on the sign. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that as well. The the one attraction I think where the line really does uh, seem to back up, uh, you know, when there is a line is uh, is Maelstrom. Uh, that one seems to load a little slower and does take a little bit longer to get through. So that's true. That's true. Um, okay, well, I, I want to close out this segment on touring uh, by taking a, an opportunity, you know, first of all, we barely touched on World Showcase, and frankly, I think World Showcase may need to have its own segment here down the road, but um, 
let's let's just take a minute and uh, maybe each of us will go around and, and share uh, something that that maybe people wouldn't think about or a favorite part of touring Epcot that's other than these you know big attractions that we've been talking about the ways to kind of uh, you know make them uh, hit them in a timely fashion. Um, Mark Pratt, do you have any uh, kind of tips or tricks to uh, Epcot touring? Um, just you know, getting there as early as you can. If you if you're staying at the resorts, doing the taking advantage of the um, early magic hours, uh, especially those those are a great um, you know resource for you if you're staying at a resort, and maybe even bypassing Sorn and and getting the other rides that you want in while everybody else is you know doing the cattle herding over to to Soren, you can jump on test track and you could probably ride that thing twice before the other people get over there um and you know doing the like the spaceship earth you know you got to do that just because you know it's the biggest icon there so you know getting those those few things that you can get knocked out as fast as you can i mean it's right when you walk right in the park it's right there mark how about you well i'd say um I guess not to get too much into a world showcase podcast, you know, a future one down the road, but uh, I'd say if you want to hit all the big rides, future world's great. If you want to enjoy the details and the subtle Disney Imagineering, then it's worth it to slow down and spend a lot of time in the world showcase. Um, One thing we did was to uh, get the, the little passports they sell that you can get stamped for your kids at each country. And that provided a great experience because they have uh, someone there, a cast member who is from that country uh, at each station who stamps the passport. And the interactions were, were just priceless. Uh, I remember the first one we stopped at was China. And the woman there stamped their passports and then asked my kids their names and uh, wrote all their kids' names in Chinese. Um, you know, told them what year they were born in, whether it was the year of the horse or the dog or whatever. And just there was a lot of priceless interaction we got there just by slowing down uh, and, and taking our time there. How about you, David? Any touring tips or tricks to share? I would say, you know, kind of going with Mark saying it's, it's about slowing down. You know, Future World, most of those attractions are going to be there um, for a while. Um, and obviously world showcases too but when you go through there the interactions you have with the cast members those are some of our most memorable trips uh, whether it be a, a server at a particular restaurant or someone at a cashier you know cashing you out somewhere if you're buying a souvenir but just taking the time um, to talk with them learn a little bit about them their culture and um, last trip we were there uh, one of my daughters uh, was not having a very good afternoon and two of the women in Italy took her behind the counter and gave her a huge roll of stickers that you know um, was amazing for a two and a half year old to play with (laughs) stuck them on everything of course and it was just that they took that moment with her they didn't have to um, but it kind of goes always into that where we always our Epcot trips always leave us the best memory is always left with an interaction with a cast member well, I think that's going to wrap up our, our touring strategy segment. I wanted to move on, and uh, David is going to preview for us his upcoming trip. So, David, when are you heading back to the world? We are heading 
there on uh, May 15th uh, through the 18th. Uh, we're going to do just two trip or two days, sorry, uh, just in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, we have a longer trip in November, and the countdown to November was just really hard, so we decided to take a couple days and drive down so uh, we could get a little Mickey Mouse fix. So, and where are you driving? Remind me, where are you driving down from? Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, so that's what about a 15 hour drive? 15 hour drive. We're going to stop in uh, Georgia. Um, and then uh, get up early the next morning and kind of get, uh, we're staying at Caribbean Beach Resort, gonna get there around noon, take it nice and easy that day, uh, explore the resort, let the kids play on the beach. Uh, Cause you know, here in Indiana, we have beautiful waterfronts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> other than the, uh, you know, the uh, contaminated rivers. So we're gonna just kind of sit back and, and enjoy and then we're gonna have, uh, it's a tradition in our family for every trip to have a dinner at one of the restaurants. And this year we're going to start, uh, we're going to try 1900 Park Fair for the first time. And so what, what are you most looking forward to about your, your two day, your two days in the Magic Kingdom? Well, the last time we took our girls, they were two and a half. And this time they will be turning, they have, will have just turned six a few days before. So, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing it through their eyes. Um, the first time they come around that corner uh, from underneath the train station, after rope drop, of course, and they see the castle and just kind of take it all in and all the excitement. Uh, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, you know, having that same excitement that uh, I have a reason to skip down the street now and no one can look at me funny. <laughs> you said you've got your dinner reservation at 1900 Park Fair. Is that fair to assume that that's the dining experience you're most looking forward to? Uh, you know, it is. And I had never, I, I knew it was there, but um, most of what I had heard about before was always the breakfast. And we stumbled across a YouTube video and it had the stepsisters and my daughters absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and so we're really looking forward to that. Um, the only other restaurant that we have a, an ADR for is Ohana, and that's on our last uh, our last day at the park. And uh, we do Ohana, and one part of the trip, one way or the other, either dinner or breakfast, we have to go to Ohana. Um, but uh, yeah, the 1900 Park Fair I think is going to be a lot of fun. Well, it sounds like you've got a great little getaway planned. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a nice little charge for the for the trip in November. We got plenty of time, two days in Magic Kingdom. You know, I think we're going to be able to see everything that we want to see. Uh, we look forward to hearing about how that goes. Uh, you know, that's a, a trip report you could actually probably finish by November. Uh, um, I don't think I've ever done a trip report. Maybe I can get my nemesis to do it for me. <laughs> well, you know, a two-day trip, that's probably a great way to start doing trip reports, right? It can't be that difficult to do a trip report for two days. I can't mess it up. I don't think so. All right, so guys, we all are now going to be giving David trouble until he does a trip report for his two-day trip that's coming up here in May. I'm on as it. Long as, as long as he can do it before uh, Don finishes his, he'll be okay. I don't think that's much of a challenge. you got all the time in the world, baby. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you know, it's not a Diz Dad's podcast if we don't talk about food. And so I wanted to wrap up our, our podcast tonight by talking about our favorite uh, Epcot eating and especially because this is an Epcot drinking establishments. Uh, let's see, Mark Pratt, um, why don't you tell us your favorite uh, eating option in uh, Epcot? 
Well, I would go with, you know, the obvious choice, which would be La Cellier, but I'm, I'm not going to go down that road. I'll go with um, the Garden Grill. We like the food there. Um, and, you know, being in the one of the, I think it's only the five rotating restaurants in the United States, um, it's pretty cool. You know, you have New York and you have uh, Seattle, and there's a couple other around the United States, but it's one of the one of the only ones that that turns like that. So that's kind of a, a cool thing that you can say you've ate, eaten in one of those. So um, yeah, we like the Garden Grill. We have one of those here in Kansas City. How about you, uh, Mark Harbison? Give us a an, a suggestion for dining in Epcot. Well, um, I have not tried a lot of the table service uh, restaurants in Epcot. I'm. Uh, I tend to be a very uh, boring eater. Uh, I usually don't eat anything spicier than vanilla ice cream and that sort of thing. So um, I'd stick with the obvious with Le Cellier in Canada. Um, you know, if you just give me a bowl of the cheddar cheese soup and the pretzel bread, um, I could make a meal out of that. And then the fact that they throw in mouthwarding steaks on top of that is just almost heaven. Um, the only other uh, places I'd suggest is uh, along the counter service, um, along those lines, the Sunshine Seasons in the land gives you some real good options there. And they have a dessert bar that's to die for. Just so many options there. I think I had a, a key lime pie about the size of a bowling ball right off the dining plan, which is pretty awesome. And uh, not so much for the food, but in terms of atmosphere and location, um, we ate at the Electric Umbrella by Interventions at night, and they have an outdoor seating area. And if you can sit there at night, you have a front row seat for the fountain show when they time it to the music. And uh, we just really enjoyed sitting there and, and uh, watching that show. It's kind of one of those unheralded things that uh, Disney does so well. Sounds terrific. Um, David, how about you? What's a, your favorite or a dining suggestion uh, for eating at Epcot? Well, Mark took my idea of La Cellier. Um, I mean, anytime you can get a steak good enough to cut, or a steak that you can eat with a fork without having to use a steak knife, that's pretty good. But um, I enjoy the Rosen Crown. Uh, we've been there before. Uh, they have a shepherd's pie that's about plate size. Um, so it's more than enough food for anybody. Um, you have your full range of uh, English beers uh, for those who like to partake in that. But one of the best things about it is you have a river, or you, I'm sorry, you have a view of the lake. Um, I hear it's very difficult to get a table there around when they're doing illuminations, but uh, especially around sunset, it's, it's really, really nice to sit back and watch. And uh, Brian, do you have a, a dining uh, suggestion for Epcot? Uh, the one place actually we like to go, uh, which is probably not one that is, gets rated very well uh, typically, but it's the Coral Reef. Well, my favorite uh, dining location at Epcot, or at least one that I'll mention here as as being a fun one, and it's not even necessarily for the food, although the food is pretty good, uh, is the Storybook Princess Dining at uh, Akershus in Norway. Um, the food's okay. The uh, appetizer buffet actually was really good and was my favorite part of the meal, but the... Um, it's, it's the closest thing to Cinderella's royal table without having to be in the castle. And um, the, uh, you know, the, there's a, a whole 
crew of princesses there. It's a kind of an ever-changing group. Um, but my daughter really loved getting to have all the princesses come around, getting her picture taken with them. And um, it was a, a, it's a smaller restaurant than, than Cinderella's Royal Table. And it's um, a little bit different. You know, it doesn't have quite the same theming, but the experience was a good one and uh, we really enjoyed ourselves and like I said the food was pretty good and it's less expensive and more accessible than uh, Cinderella's Royal Table. Go back around and, and have people share some of their favorite uh, drinking locations. Uh, Epcot is renowned for its international options in the uh, beverage area so um, maybe some people can go around and, and share what they enjoy. Um, Mark Pratt, why don't you give us a start with uh, your your favorite libation location in Epcot? Well, since I'm, I'm not really, I, I don't drink alcohol, anywhere that's got an ice-cold soda is perfect for me. I know that if Jason, my nemesis, was here, you know, he would definitely tell you that his favorite place is um, the Cool Club for the Beverly. He likes those in large containers. <laughs> so he's just got that kind of a palate. Um, me, I, I, I like—I really like their, the one from Japan. It was kind of a watermelon kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I like that. And um, that that's about that's about it. Like I said, any, any place that has something that's ice cold soda or, or water, I'm good for it. And Mark Harbison, how about you? <laughs> I'm laughing here because... Uh... I guess you picked the wrong guys for this part of the podcast because I don't really do alcohol either. <laughs> so we're not getting a whole lot here. Um, and I was all set with a Beverly joke too and, and Mark just told my, stole my thunder. So <laughs> there's not a whole lot left. Um, I will say we... Don't here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did enjoy the Mezzo Mix, which is right next to the Beverly. That's from Germany and that was a mix of coke and orange juice i believe and that was actually kind of interesting so i'll go ahead and recommend that one how about you jason uh, you have a, a drink that you prefer besides your uh, your your undying love of beverly uh at epcot or anywhere at epcot um the only thing that i had the last time i was there was the jägermeister the in germany um it was actually the first shot i've had in about a year so it was it was very refreshing could have been a little bit colder but it was good how about you how about you david uh, well to kind of continue the theme uh with the except of uh, exception of jason yeah not much of an alcohol drinker but um uh enjoy the uh, uh the cool uh, cool club or station there but one of the things that i'm looking forward to um, is possibly trying the new margarita stand outside of Mexico. Um, last time we were there, they were constructing it. So if it's done, hopefully someone hasn't uh, uh, drank them all up yet, then we may have to, to stop there. In honor of Cinco de Mayo. Of course. How about you, Brian? Uh, well, I'm kind of more of a straightforward kind of guy. I'd, I'd rather go to Germany and get a nice cold frosty beer. Uh, but... Uh, my uh, dear, my dear wife likes uh, was the, the 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 frozen mudslides from from France. Uh, the, those are the ones things she goes for. So, my wife is also a big fan of the frozen mudslide. Um, I, I I lean more uh, 
towards the experience at uh, La Cava de Tequila in uh, in Mexico. Um, I'm I'm looking forward. I, I didn't get the opportunity to uh, do the the flight of tequila, which is what I'd been hoping to do. Kids were getting a little antsy, and so I didn't want to make them wait while I did that. But uh, looking forward to going back and yet getting what amounts to sort of a, a tequila sampler, um, different tequila flavor options. Um, okay, and then we'll just go around one last time. Any last thoughts on uh, on food at Epcot from anybody? Um, let's see, Brian, how about you? You have any thoughts on food in Epcot? Share. Uh, I just love the fact that you have such a wide variety to choose from throughout the World Showcase and uh, you know, Future World. Uh, that uh, it's a, it's refreshing given the other options throughout uh, Disney World. So, David. Um, I like to do that. We like to sample in different places. So uh, the little pastry shop in France is always a great place because you kind of get away from the main crowds. So if you're not really hungry for a meal, it's a great place to stop. And I'm looking forward to stopping at the new uh, sweet shop in Germany uh, for a little uh, treat. How about you, Jason? Any uh, Epcot dining thoughts? Um, not not too many. We haven't eaten there eight eaten there that often we last time we were there we ate at Akershus um, the one thing we do get each time we walk through though even if we're not on the not getting a, a meal is one of the turkey legs in America the American Adventure we we got to that area and my daughter was like dad I smell bacon where's the bacon <laughs> so we we had to go on the bacon hunt and found out that it was a turkey leg and she's not a turkey person and she actually tried it and loved it so it was it was definitely a good experience. Now, how old is she? Seven. Seven, okay. So that turkey leg was probably, you know, two-thirds of her size. Oh, and she's tiny. She's a tiny seven. So it was <laughs> it was definitely big. More than enough for all of us to share. Yeah. How about you, Mark? Jason, first of all, you're you're training that girl well if she's hunting down bacon at seven years old. So you get extra Dizdad points for that. Sweet. <laughs> uh, I was going to say the same thing as uh, as uh, David. Um, don't forget to snack and especially find the pastry shop in France. Uh, you can get some, some pretty sweet items there. And I think all the other countries have some, some real good snacks just to try and get a little culture. And, uh, you know, again, it's totally justified with all the walking you do running back and forth for fast passes. This is true. Uh, and Mark Pratt, how about you? Any last dining suggestions about Epcot? Um, I, I like, like they said, just do the snacks because um, there's a lot of really good places to eat. Uh, we were there a couple years ago um, in October, and we we actually got to do the the food and wine festival. Like I said, I don't drink, so the wine part was kind of out, but it was nice to have, you know, an additional. I don't know what it is, 20 or so countries or however many it is that they throw little booths in there that you can get, you know, little snack size samples of everything those countries, you know, have to offer. So that was really cool. And that's, you know, like I said, it comes up in uh, September. And uh, so that that's something to, to look forward to as well. Uh, what I would want to say, what I'd like to say about dining in Epcot, and, and in particular about World Showcase, is that there's so many terrific options, and 
you know, take a chance, um, especially at, at one of the counter service places. You know, try something you haven't tried before. Um, give uh, give Japanese soba noodles at the yak- at, at uh, Yakitori a try, or um, the Tangerine Cafe. You know, try something with a little Moroccan flavor. Go ahead and experience something unique because uh, it's so accessible there and so easy to find and um, you really won't find those kind of options in any of the other Disney parks even. So, um, well, guys, I I think we've had a a full evening here discussing the attractions and the food of Epcot. Um, For people listening, if you want to comment, correct us, tell us what you'd like to hear, Send us an email at podcast at disdads.com. Uh, come by and see us on the web at disdads.com or visit our conversations on the Disboards. Uh, you can find us in the Families Forum. It's uh, Disdads Club. You can also find us on Twitter, Disdads Podcast, and uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, we're the Disdads, and we'll see you real soon. Thanks. This has been a Wizard of Oz production.